Welcome to the PPM Academy podcast for project program and portfolio managers, where we will interview industry experts and discuss current and future trends in the world of project program and portfolio management and how we do impact our company's execution culture. I'm Gerald Leonard. Today, we have with us Stuart Easton. Stuart is the CEO of Transparent Choice and is a veteran of the software space. His background includes stints working on reporting and data analytics. He is passionate about improving business outcomes for his customers. Stuart lives in the United Kingdom and enjoys hiking, mountain biking, and playing with his kids. Now, he also enjoys playing guitar, but his family would rather he didn't. Stuart, thanks so much for talking with us today. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Yes. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, so what do you think is poorly understood and unresolved in this area of project portfolio management? And why is that so? Well, my expertise is, is really around the prioritization of the portfolio, Gerald. And, and this is a really misunderstood area. I mean, it, it's really clear that picking the right projects, making sure your projects are aligned with strategy, delivers huge value. Projects that are well aligned with strategy um, come in. Uh, successfully, 54% more of the time than projects that aren't. So, so alignment is a really big, a really big deal. That most organisations do it very badly. Um, they typically have a, a legacy process which involves locking people in a room and they they argue for a while and they they come to some decision and they hand down the portfolio. Right. And many people, because that's how they've done it since time immemorial, they think that's the right way to do it, and it and it really isn't. Um, there are much more scientific, much more uh, value-oriented ways of picking a portfolio than that. So that's fundamentally that's that's why most organisations do it badly. Okay. So what challenges have you helped customers overcome with that issue? Well, it, it's really all about defining uh, a value statement for each of the projects, defining the priorities of the organisation, and, and building consensus around those priorities. There's absolutely no point picking a portfolio if people don't support that portfolio. Right. Um, when, when you do that, you get, I mean, you've, you've seen it in your professional life, I'm sure, Gerald, where yes. you get a passive-aggressive behavior kicking in. Right. And the way to get around that is to really help the organization, the executives and the, the, the other stakeholders, build an agreement around what value means for that organization, what are the priorities, and then aligning the portfolio with those priorities. So, as an example, we, we did a project a little while ago with a company called EnergyNet. Now, they, they run the national grid for Denmark. So, all the electricity, all the gas in Denmark um, is delivered by EnergyNet. So, when they get it wrong, the lights go out in Denmark. It's a big deal. Wow. <laughs> and um, when they took a good look at the portfolio, they realized that um, a good chunk, you know, 70, 80% of the portfolio really wasn't aligned with strategy. Um, and about just under a third of it was was obsolete, was just adding no value whatsoever. Wow. And, and this is not this kind of situation is not uncommon where you have this kind of closed door, put people in a room, and let them argue about which projects to pick. Right. So what, what we enabled them to do was to build very clear consensus among the executive team about what was important to the business, and, and they got some surprises on that journey. Um, you okay. Know, a few things they. they they thought were important that weren't, and a few things that, that uh, they were downplaying that actually turned out to be a little bit more important. And, and when they went through that, they, they 
came away with a really clear list of priorities, business priorities, goals, if you like, that they were able to use to, to prioritize their projects. And so they've gone from a situation where, you know, their, their portfolio was, was a little bit messy, to say the least, to a situation where every single project in the portfolio is aligned either with a very clearly articulated strategic goal or with an operational target. Well, now, very often, what we hear anecdotally, I mean, that's an extreme case where a third of the portfolio was, was, uh, was obsolete. Right. But what we hear anecdotally, time and time again, is, is you know, an increase in value from the portfolio of 20 right. to 40%, just picking the right projects. That, that's how big a, a deal this is, 20 to 40% increase in the value from the portfolio. Wow. Just from picking the right projects. Wow. So, so I'm sure for this particular company or the energy grid that that 30% was probably a, a hefty uh, chunk of, uh, of funding uh, for, for that, for that uh, agency. Yeah. yeah, it was several million euros. Wow, perfect. Well, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, you know, recent research with ESI shows that 72% of PMOs are called into question by their executives. Um, from your perspective, how does this affect the PMO and what do you think they should do about it? Well, I mean, very often uh, the, the role of the PMO in organizations is not very well understood. Um, we're, we're talking to, as an example, we're talking to uh, one company at the moment where the, they have a new PMO, and the executives kind of imagine that the, the PMO magically does stuff. You know, you create a PMO, and suddenly the world is rosy. Well, un unfortunately, it isn't. Um, and the, because the role of the PMO is so often misunderstood by executives, don't really know what to expect. And um, working through the prioritization process gives a PMO a chance to engage directly with executives, to be part of the value creation process with the executives, to go to walk them through some workshops that immediately add value for the executives uh, and make the role of PMO much more visible and relevant to the day-to-day -day life of the executive team. So that, that obviously increases the, the perceived value of the PMO and helps um, defend, defend the PMO role, if you like. Um, and, and at the end of the day, there are only two things as a PMO, that, you know, two levers that you can pull. You, you can, it's the old chestnut, you know, you do the right things and do them right. Right. And so, you know, picking the right portfolio is all about doing the right things. Right. And it can be very quick, a very quick win that you can take to the executive team and, and you know, Establish yourself as a, a value-added player. Unfortunately, doing things right, as you know, because you've lived this, you know, a dozen times. Exactly. Doing things right is a slog. It takes time. You've got to shift the organisation. You've got to shift behaviour. You've got to get processes and methodologies in place and all of that kind of stuff. And that takes time. Right. So part of the the the, the way that PMOs can shift the executives and buy themselves the time make the changes they need to deliver good projects consistently is to get in front of the executives up front and help them deliver value by picking the right portfolio. Right. For me, you know, portfolio management is all about leadership, right? It's doing the right things. And then project management is about, you know, management, which is doing the right things right, right? And, um, you know, as, as you go, as, as companies go through that process, they have to really consider the impact on their culture. Uh, as you said, um, implementing these processes take time 
And it's also adjusting the way the organization thinks about the day-to-day work as well as their portfolio of projects and the work that they're trying to get, get, get done there. But it really does have a major impact on the culture of the, of the organization. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, and it's actually circular. That, you know, by doing, you know, picking the right things, you, you actually can change the culture of the organization as well. From one where it's about selling my project to one where, where you actually focus on value delivery. And uh, there was a recent paper by A.T. Kearney, for example, looking at the um, uh, recent financing bill in the, in the U.S., and basically saying what a golden opportunity it is to move away from the you know, do less with less syndrome, right? just cut your budget, right. and move to a value-oriented delivery mode for, for government agencies. And that's, you know, that's just a portfolio prioritization and selection problem. Right. You know, there's an opportunity to actually change the culture and the way people communicate away from cost, away from you know, selling my project and into what's the value, what are the shared values of the organization. Correct, correct. So when you talk about relevance, delivery, and visibility, um, how portfolios matters and, and, and help with all of the, those areas, what trends do you see our industry going through? Sure. Well, it's, it's interesting um, because, I mean, we were just talking about changing culture a second ago. One of the things that's hit everybody over the last several years is, is you know, tightened belts, you know, reduced budgets, uh, a, a need to deliver more with same or even fewer resources, and uh, and so this is this is a this is a trend, and, and people have moaned about that for decades. But actually, for the last you know, five six years, it's been it's been very acute. Um, and you know, we, as we were talking earlier, by doing picking the right things, doing the right things, you're going to be adding a lot more value and, and working no harder. Than, than when you're doing the wrong thing. So, so this this trend to you know reduce budgets, you know, resource constraints is really driving a lot of interest right now in prioritization and doing it better right. because the payback is so large. And, and put it into context, I was looking at some some data um, earlier today, as it happens, that looks at sort of high performance teams and how high performance teams are. Uh, seven to eight times more likely to have a formal systematic portfolio management process in place than mm. those that, that are low. I mean, seven to eight times. So it's, it's clearly something that's very strongly correlated right. with high-performance teams. Right. So this, this trend to you know tighter budgets, needing to deliver, you know, still needing to deliver the value, but not having as much resource to do it, um, uh, really screams out, you know, focus on prioritization, uh, yeah, don't don't stick with the status quo. Uh, you, know, you can do that, right? And, and it's very strongly correlated with success. You know, just back, just thinking about what you said, I was rem- reminded of a of a uh, presentation I had gone to where um, the gentleman talked about all of the brand name companies, all of the big companies that we all shop at and buy products from, and the thing that they all had in common was that they all had a portfolio process that was aligned to their strategy and they executed on it. And that was the thing that set them uh, apart as being a brand company. And so it, it just kind of backs up, um, you know, what you were talking it, about earlier. It, it happens at every level of the organization as well. There was some, some really interesting research by McKinsey that showed that, you know, when you do portfolio management at the strategic level in the company, so 
know, it's not it's not IT projects or anything like that. It's it's what's the portfolio of businesses that we are in. When, when organizations that do that well over over a fifteen year period, they're, they're worth forty percent, four zero, forty percent more than their peers. So this this, this idea of prioritizing uh, what your, your your resource allocation, whether you're the CEO or somebody running an IT budget or you know, someone running a maintenance budget or whatever it is, this idea of of, of really you know, working hard and picking the right things to do adds massive value. And in, in the case of the organization, 40% increase in the valuation of the company. I totally agree. So, so Stuart, um, as we began to conclude here, you know, is there anything that I overlooked or forgot to ask you about in this in this subject? <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, one of the it's, it's interesting. I mean, the, one of the questions I get asked most frequently is, you know, how how do I know if I'm doing it well or badly? You know, so that's that's one of the one of the things that we that we. Uh, often talk about, and so you know, I, I've kind of got five telltale signs. If I hear any of these, um, I, I know that there's there's a problem that needs to be addressed. Okay, so what are they? Uh, so, so number one, um, you know, your department sets their own priorities. Right? So mm. Each department has their own budget, and they go off and they do their own thing. Um, by definition, those departments aren't aligned, and so their resource allocation can't be aligned with the corporate strategy because those departments aren't aligned. So that's that's number one. That's that's always a red flag, um, and uh, you know you always want to have a conversation about how you can get those teams aligned and and, and build a shared value, a fair, a shared statement of value and priorities. Um, the second the second thing that I that I often ask people about is is to write down a prioritized list of the criteria they use to select projects, mm. and and um, uh, and, and the vast majority of organizations can't do that, by the way. Some of them, some organizations will say, oh, yes, we use return on investment, which is, you know, it's better than not doing anything. The return on investment on its own is actually a pretty shaky metric to use to select projects because yes. very often pro- projects are supporting goals that aren't directly in the short term financial goals. So you know, it might be about building brand image, or uh, or something of that nature, or, or you know, building robustness for disaster recovery purposes. You know, it's really hard to say what the ROI on that is, unless there's an earthquake, in which case the ROI is huge. Right. So so if you can't write down uh, that list of prioritized criteria, then then you're probably not um, going through the you know, having a, a sort of value based approach to prioritization. Third one. Third point is that um, you know, if it feels like, you know, if you're the PMO and you're sitting there, or if you're the CIO or whoever owns the portfolio, you're sitting there and you, you dread um, planning season, budgeting season, because it's so political, that's a, that's a giveaway. Right <laughs> process is broken. Um, in, in, I mean, we had, we had, a few months ago, I had one uh, CIO ring me up after, after the big, big meeting, you know, there's always a big meeting. Um, and he rang me up after the big meeting and he said, Stuart, that was just the best meeting I've ever had because nobody shouted at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that's always a giveaway. Um, the, the next one is that, uh, and, and we touched on this with EnergyNet, if you feel like your projects are 
obsolete or your projects are failing, um, then there's a good chance that you're just picking the wrong projects. Um, you know, as, as we said earlier, a project as well aligned as strategy is 54% more likely to succeed than one that isn't. Um, you know, successful you know, uh, high-performance project teams are seven to eight times more likely to have good prioritization process. So there's a very strong correlation here between successful projects and outcomes and this process of picking the right things to work on. Right. And then the final one that to, that to give away is, you know, if I ever hear somebody say to me, uh, you know, my guys don't know what to work on because you know, three quarters of our projects are tagged as absolutely number one top priority. Well, if three quarters of your projects are top priority, then you have no priority. You have no idea which one's important and which one isn't. Um, and that's a, a, a real giveaway that, that your prioritization process is broken. And I hear that a lot. Mm. Top priority, then you have no priorities. Right? Right. You have no idea which one's important and which one isn't. Um, and that's a, a, a real giveaway that, that your prioritization process is broken. And I hear that a lot. Mm. So, uh, so those are kind of the five signs that you can look for. And, and you know, the, the, the prescription is pretty simple. Um, if you're suffering from any of those diseases, let's go out, get smart about prioritization. You know, we've got a bunch of stuff on our blog just about project prioritization um, that people can go and read and, and, okay. and get themselves smart. We'll definitely put the uh, the link to the blog in our in our show notes. Super. Thank you for that. Um, and, and just, you know, get smart. And depending who you are, you know, if you're the CIO, you've probably got um, some control of the process. If you're PMO, you're probably going to have to build the business case and take it to the executives and help them understand why they need to change the process. And, um, you know, usually what I see there is that if you, if you go through and build a really solid uh, set of examples of things that haven't worked, of what that's cost the organization, and you, you show them how little effort it is to change, then usually people will give it a go, and, uh, and usually they stick with it because it works. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Stuart, what's one tip or strategy would you give someone if they're looking to grow in their career as a project portfolio management expert? That's a great question. And, um, and, and I'm actually going to almost defer to one of my customers here. Um, so, and this is actually a, a, a chap that we worked with a few years ago. And he basically what he said to me is that the PMO doesn't own the portfolio. The business owns the portfolio. The PMO is just a custodian. And if you keep that at the heart of everything you do, then you will succeed. Because Excellent. it forces you to think about the business user. Excellent. Well, Stuart, if our listeners want to learn more about you, uh, where should they go? Uh, they should definitely head to our blog, uh, our transparentchoice.com. Transparent as in a piece of glass. We'll look through it. And choice as in a decision.com. And head to our blog, and as I say, there are heaps of resources there for people who want to learn more about how to prioritize their projects. Excellent, excellent. So, Stuart, thank you so much for talking with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Stuart Easton, CEO of Transparent Choice. For more expert insights, go to principlesofexecution.com research.